This is Colossus, and you're listening to The High Regard Show. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is The High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, don't get better than that. Nope, sir. The things we do for you, listeners. Press buttons like a sausage-fingered freak. We don't listen to Tom talk enough. Oh, please. I got a hot mic here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the la- the last show of 2017, right? I'm glad. By my calculations? By my calculations, <laughs> it could be the last of everything of 2017 <laughs> at this very moment, and it will be absolutely fine. Yes, it started with the shit show. It ended with a shit show 2017. <laughs> oh, my God, you ain't kidding, man. So um, hopefully all of you are... I mean, well, you are. You're you got to be just about wrapping up the holidays. I mean, Hanukkah already ended. Christmas just passed. Kwanzaa's on its way. Kwanzaa's on its way over. I mean, what's left really, right? Yeah, I think I think that's the big the big holiday. The end big of the three. Year. The big three the end of the year <laughs> celebrations. The trifecta of poverty is what we'll call this. <laughs> I mean, holy crap. Not only was it expensive, but what a goddamn situation it was traveling around this year for us. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, if you listen to our Thanksgiving episode, we kind of alluded to the fact that we were traveling back and forth between Long Island and Pennsylvania and Long Island again. And this year, this Christmas was no different. Um, there's no such thing as splitting up the holiday when we have a four-legged baby that everybody needs to see. Awesome. <laughs> I just feel like every once in a while when I don't know what to say, I throw an awesome in. I found that out about myself. So, Yeah. An end of the year revelation from Tom, just out of the blue. I know, I know, but I just felt like wow. you, you paused for a second. And I'm like, let me just throw that in there for a minute. I'm like, awesome. It's Tom's like live <laughs> sound clip. <laughs> like, you know, what do you call that in the radio biz? Like when you use one of those things? Like, is it just a sound clip? Yeah, it's just sound clip. Like Dingo and the Baby from Family Guy. Oh, that's a bumper. A bumper. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But we're not going in between segments. This is just me saying that. You know, I'm just awesome. Yeah, I'm just, exactly. I'm just going to make up like a little sound thing of me just saying awesome. And I, then instead I want a of word. replying to you, I'm just going to just press a button and have to say awesome. Awesome. But anyway. Anyway. Why our holiday was such a clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Toward okay. The, like, it was it was good throughout the whole, like going to from Long Island to Pennsylvania with the car. Mm-hmm. From Pennsylvania home to New York, where we where we spent Christmas Eve, you know, mm-hmm. doing our Christmas as we do, and we're just wow, you know, we hit traffic at the GWB, and I said up until this point, wow, this was like smooth, smooth sailing. sailing, smooth, smooth sailing, smooth, smooth, so smooth. We were like, we're gonna be home by five thirty. Like this is amazing. No traffic, nothing. The bridge. Fine, I'd rather have the bridge than in like Bumblefuck, New Jersey, Bumblefuck, Pennsylvania, be like this traffic jam. Because you could see home. If you get stuck in traffic on the bridge, you could just see the you buildings. See home, you're like, and you're just I know like, I'm close. I'm home. I'm close. How long could it possibly take for me to get to the exit right on the other side of the bridge to go to Harlem? Well, Nikki, how long could it possibly take? An to hour get? and 15 goddamn minutes. Why? Because of all that traffic? Nope. Because right smack as soon as we crossed the threshold onto the GWB, the car just stopped on running. But thankfully, you were in the right-hand lane, so you can be on the shoulder, right? Oh, no, Tom. Oh, no. <laughs> I was well, in the lane, left-hand right? lane. Oh, of I course you were. I was in the left-hand are. lane because I'm a booker when I drive. So I was yeah. like, we're just cruising on through. And then all of a sudden, and you're like, go, babe, go. And I'm like, 
I can't because the car fucking stopped running. <laughs> and I mean, the the it was the transmission that went, of course, on the car. Of course, but so, luckily I was with someone who is amazing in a crisis. And this is the point where you could say it's called getting shit done, lady. It is called getting shit done, lady. You took over. But seriously, like we all, you and I always talk about a fucking zombie apocalypse. What would happen in a zombie apocalypse? Nick Lee would die. Nick and and would I always dead. say, you'll be dead. I'll be fine. Like I and I feel like, especially being in the city, I feel like I have no problem going out on a fire escape, climbing into somebody else's window or a roof if I have to. I know what buildings I think I would like try to get to if that was ever the case, the top mm-hmm. of something high. Sure. And today was the first test of what would happen in an emergency situation. Three minutes in, I gotta give you a big F. In red with a circle around it. And I just kept fucking circling it every time you would have a panic attack. It would just be like, chill out. We can't do shit about it. And we're so close to being famous. It's only a matter of minutes before the fucking helicopter comes flying over. And they're like, disabled vehicle. News on the ones. Avoid the GWB up a level 35 to one hour wait because of a disabled vehicle in a left-hand lane. Those are the people you're like, oh. Stupid motherfuckers. They didn't realize that their car was having problems and they break down in the left-hand lane. Who's so stupid that I they could fall for that? I never say that. I never say that. I'm just like, oh, it's oh just that me. poor son of a bitch. I'm always it's... like, that poor son of a bitch. I would hate to be that person. So it is just me. It is just uh, me. Because okay. that's kind of a dick thing to do. Like, to look at someone who's in trouble and be like, that mother... I mean, of course I'd complain until you realize what it is and then it's like... Oh, shit. So, like, the reason I kept getting upset was just because there were people beeping and people, like, cursing and screaming. And I'm just like, (laughs) do you not see my fucking flashes on? Like, do you not see? But it was just very nervous. And, like, the dog was in the car. We had a car. So it was like, okay, fine, great. We find, like, a spot. If it was just any other day, we find a parking spot. You know, your parents are super chill. Like, thank God this happened with your parents and not my parents because it would have been, like, a nuclear war or something. It would have been. But, like, your parents are super chill. They're just like, hey, man, shit happened. We're sorry this happened. Here's our AAA. Here's this. Like, everything. Like, cool as a cucumber in crisis mode. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm having a panic attack because I'm driving somebody else's <laughs> car. And it's like, there's people everywhere. And, like, the car is dying. So, like, I can't Oh, no, go. not even dying. Just dead. The engine would rev, but it wouldn't go nowhere. I yeah. mean, it was, it was but dead. But then, like, we realized, like, shut the car off, turn it back on. We, like, jimmied with the, the gears and stuff. And, like, eventually we made it to 149th Street where we parked in front of a fire hydrant with got me panicked out, too. And you're like, you you were just like fuck it. Like, <laughs> what are they gonna do? They're gonna tow it away. We need to get the fucking thing towed anyway. Who gives a shit? Let them fucking tow it away. Who cares? Really, when it comes down to and it. And all the contact info in it is your dad, so they'll hassle them, not us. Yeah, no one's knocking on my door. And if they did, they'd be like, "This guy is too fucked up, like to be driving anywhere." Like they would just know. They would know this guy isn't a driver. So we were like, okay, fine. But like any other day, we could have just found a spot like up. On up by the bridge, parked the car, walked home, whatever, fine. However, we had a car full of goddamn Christmas presents that were heavy as fuck. So it was like, what do we do? So we were like, let's just try to get it close to home. And I'm just like, I see a spot, let's pull it in. You're like, no! No, we gotta get it close to the <laughs> I know, apartment. I know. So we finally, like, we stop in front of this hydrant on our street. And we start taking the stuff up. Because then we're like, we'll call AAA afterward, after we, like, call your parents. So we're like, okay, fine. And then you took, like, I took a trip taking stuff in, and you stayed back with the car and the dog. And then I stayed with the car and the dog, and you took it in. And then I see you, like, standing there, and I'm like, is that Tom? Because, mind you, it's dark out. 
It's pitch black out. Yeah, of course it is. It's nighttime. And I see you. I see somebody going like this, and I'm like, "Is that Tom?" I'm like, "What is he doing?" And by this point, I got in the car because I was cold because I didn't have a coat on. So I'm just like, "Oh my god!" And I see you, and I'm like, "Is that him?" And I recognized your luxurious hair. Your luxurious <laughs> Ma, head of what hair. wonderful hair you have! Ma, I'll be right over. <laughs> Ma, what wonderful hair you have that I recognize the silhouette of in a dark street. And well, I'm saying that my hair is probably more recognizable than most hair in our neighborhood. I guess so. <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess that's a scientific fact. I guess so. Go on. I guess so. But back to our pickle situation. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> we were in a pickle. We were so in a pickle. you were like gesturing to me and you're standing in a spot and you're like, there's a spot. So I get in the car and I'm like, okay, fine. Like it worked out, thankfully. And like I got into a spot until I got nervous because I am not a truck driver. Like, I don't drive. I never had a car that was big. I only ever had oh a little time. I had a, two Volkswagens that were super tiny. I had a tiny little Hyundai. Mm. And then I had a tiny little, like, bitch pod car. So I never had a big car. I never, like, I could zip in and out of little spots and stuff in my little tiny baby cars. You wanted me to parallel park this truck. When in hindsight. In a spot that two trucks could have fit in almost. In hindsight. <laughs> I realized that. I realized that. When when you got out of the car and looked at it, we you were like, wow, I did have a lot more room. Because I was like, get the fuck out of the car and let me park However, it. However, <laughs> in my defense, and I am allowed to have some fucking leeway. Mm. The car was stalling as I was backing into it. There were cars coming. I'm blocking the street now. And I'm like. I got nervous and I panicked because the car stalled as I was backing in and it jerked like when you would go forward it would jerk when you went backward it was jer- it would jerk so I was afraid of hitting the cars in front of us and just having this be like an even more expensive Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve situation that's when we just push it into the river and just be like <laughs> the car was stolen I think I don't know what happened to it like Dennis like when Dennis on uh, <laughs> yeah. Always Sunny drove his like it's an amphibious vehicle <laughs> that's what it is come and get it so that was our Christmas Eve, and we ended up having a typical like '80s movie Christmas Eve dinner. It wasn't Thank planned you. that way. We it were planned wasn't. on going out to an awesome restaurant, our favorite restaurant, which we're not going to tell anybody the name of because we, we don't, don't want need you to go more there. people there. No, nope. like seriously, it's not super crowded right now. Mm-hmm. But the few people that we do bring there always want to go back there again, and, and I'm they like, rave oh. about it. And we can't tell anybody else where it is. No. Because I want to be able to get a table whenever I want to get a goddamn exactly. table. And it's we go here for like special occasions, holidays. We spend a couple of wonderful Christmas Eve dinners there. That you can barely remember, that but we yes. Can, that we can barely remember. Yes. So don't you throw it that on That was me. back in my drinking days. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, okay. But whatever. We found the spot right in front of us. And we were just like, as soon as we got back in the house, we're like, we are not going out to dinner. I put my brand new Christmas pajamas on and I'm like, I am in for the night. And what was the first Christmas song that you sang as you were ordering dinner? fa ra 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 because we ordered Chinese dinner and A Christmas Story is one of my favorite Christmas movies. So I paid homage. So as we're sitting here eating like, you know, chicken and broccoli like for Christmas Eve dinner for ourselves, it's like, well, look at us being all adult about it. Just staring out the window down on our broken car sitting in front of the thing that, you know, it's just like, oh, hopefully someone steals that tonight. It's our Christmas wish, but... So that was our Christmas. <laughs> yes. Hopefully you guys had a very wonderful Hopefully Christmas. you had a very, very good Christmas on the tail end of a year that was pretty much shit for most of us. Yeah. And seriously, if you're like, man, I felt a little stressed out about being around family, about the, around the holidays and stuff like that. Just remember, you could have been on the ones. 
being told. <laughs> you could have been a disabled vehicle on the GWB. Hey, babe, I think I hear they're talking about us on the radio right now. What's <laughs> going my, on? Is this my 15 minutes? <laughs> it's like, God damn it, it's my 15 minutes and I'm stuck on a bridge. <laughs> and I think that's our 15 minutes and we should probably get the show underway. Let's do that. All right, let's do it. Let's let's line up a you heard. Go for it. You heard? This week's You Heard comes to us from the Uptown E between Spring Street and West Forth. Go on. Once I have braces, I'll grow my own teeth. Ew. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It's not a farm in your face. <laughs> Old farmer you face is going to just lay the plows down and like go to it. Tend to those gum fields. <laughs> Make those chicklets spring, baby. Go for it. And I'm like listening to, I was between songs when I heard it and I immediately took my earphones out and I was just like, I need to hear where this is going because what did you just say? Mm-hmm. And that was it. And that's this week's You Heard. Oh, I thought we were already cut. I thought all of You Heard was over and we were just going to leave it. I know, but the dead air was funny. So I thought I'd like just push it one just a little bit further. All right. Fair enough. So then we're officially done with you. We're officially done. And we're, we're talking about inside the regular show now. Yeah, we're in, we're, we're in the box of the regular show now. Which is good because we actually have a guest. We do have a guest. Yes, we do. And his name just so happens to be Andrew Fixel. And I used to work with Andrew at a company that shall not be named. Mm-hmm. Because it is a giant of social media. And... Well, let's see. There's only three of them. So you'll have to take your pick. It's the one with, I'll just give one hint. It's the one with the blue logo. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so Andrew and I used to work together, and he reached out to me because he actually made a documentary, mm-hmm. and he had this love affair, not love affair, but he like had this like love of dogs growing up and certainly he, sounded scandalous. I know. I, just, I was like, I didn't, <laughs> I I didn't like, mean to say it. I was way. like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I go, well, he, I didn't realize that was even but part no, of the project. I thinking, but... Like I was kind of just thinking of how we feel about Kona. Like it's a total love affair with Kona. And like, yeah, I just, my eyes just so happened to glance to the like 27 foot by 37 foot portrait we have of her above our couch. It's only 30 by 40. Let's not exaggerate. <laughs> feet, not inches. No, please. <laughs> I wish our apartment was that many feet, 30 by 40. Are you kidding me? But I just happened to look over and it was just like, but he's always had a love of dogs growing up, you know, and he decided he wanted to, to investigate something that touched him when he was a kid with, <laughs> with a dog that he, you know, he, he saw a homeless person with a dog. This does not sound Please right. Stop like, turning it that's scandalous. You're the one stop doing it. it. He wanted to investigate something that touched him as a kid? Because he t- it was something struck him when he was a child. Like he saw a homeless person with a dog and he was a little, little kid and he asked his mom for a cookie to give to the homeless person and the homeless person was kind of an asshole about it and was like, I want, like, you know, do you have any money? Right. And he was just like, and that always, like, stuck with him, you know? Like, so that touched him as a kid. Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
the fact that you had explained that was so weird. I keep trying to say it so like you understand why I went with the word touched. No, it's okay. But that's okay because you're completely without emotion. So you wouldn't understand that uh, touch is a word that. And this poor guy, man, had to talk to me on the phone. (laughs) And it's just like. I don't know. Me personally, I'm not as good as an interviewer as you. Well, so, I like, mean, that's true. I'm but... more of a conversationalist. So here, what you told them originally, 15 to 20 minute interview, right? And I would go in. He would start tell his story, and I'd be like, he'd be like, so. So did you I Mario Lopez people. him? I 100% did, and I I took that interview and I made it like silly putty, just like you're doing right now with this. Seriously, because he would be telling me a story about things, and I'd be like, well, my Kona. And then I'd start talking like a proud pity parent would. And I'd just go on. Anyway. And next thing you know, I look at the time on the thing and I'm like, I'm so sorry I kept you for so long because I feel Tom like I does, kept yeah. him forever. Like, and I feel like I should probably give a disclaimer on the rare chances that you do have to do an interview is that like you're probably going to be on the phone a lot longer than I, like you would be with me because I can I – can... Yeah, Nikki knows how to steer an interview because that's what she does. But for Tom living. just gets interested, and he just has to be like, "Oh, well, this and this and this." So it's a good, it's a great interview. Like I love this was, interview. He was awesome. Yeah, so but I felt bad because of the amount of time. Well, now that Andrew knows that, so Thank he you. made this movie <laughs> called "The Firmest Friend." Jesus God, if we apologize, we're very amped up after this holiday that we just had. <sighs> So he went into Tompkins Square Park, which is this great park down in like lower Manhattan. Like I believe it's in like the Lower East Side or the East Village. And it's really known like it's a place where they always do this like big, huge, famous like Halloween dog parade where like all these like crazy dogs dress up in like all these crazy costumes and stuff. And he went and interviewed four homeless youth about their lifestyle and their relationships with the pit bulls that they have. Yes. So he talked to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably in he hindsight he's probably like why did I go on this show but he talked to I us I say that every time but we set the recorders <laughs> up I'm like why am I going back on this show again but we'll we'll let him tell us how the firmest friend came about you know he will let him tell the story of how that little that incident as a child touched him yes and, and we'll let him tell that exact story in his own words Nikki because <laughs> Nikki heard the interview and just repeated the story to you so act surprised okay shut up so this is our interview with Andrew about his documentary film about homeless youth and their pit bulls and it's called The Firmest Friend and let's roll that fabulous bean footage <laughs> Hi, Andrew. Yeah, hi. How you doing? This is Tom from the High Regard Tom. Show. Good. Okay, good. <laughs> How's it going, sir? Oh, it was, uh, it's pretty good. Nikki and I lately have been very pitbull obsessed because we recently adopted one ourselves. What, what kind of pity is it? She's a little brindle-like pocket pity, and it's amazing That's... how quick she learns compared to the labs that we've owned over the years. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are smart as whips. They're really, really extremely attentive and also and like eager to please they can be very uh um uh what's it called you know like super sensitive um oh yeah and yeah and a little uh, a little bit you know attachment prone so which is um, great because you know a lab is you know a lab is cool we we both grew up with those nikki and i and um 
a lot of energy living in a New York City apartment. Just did not have the space for a big dog or the, you know, energy for a big dog. It just worked out perfectly for us so far. Yeah, I hear you. That's, <laughs> but that's awesome. That's, uh, I mean, it's, it's wonderful that you did. My, my family dog is, is from Tennessee also. We got him originally at Bite Away. Um, oh, nice. Nine years old. But, yeah, he's, we know he's from t- Tennessee too. So Is he a pity as well? He is no. He's um, he's a mixture of golden German Shepherd, uh, Chinese Sharpei, and wow. Beagle, I think. Holy cow, man! Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting. Look. He's beautiful, but he's he's got like the coat, the, the the top coat of a of a German Shepherd, and then he looks kind of like a you know a mutt looking type or like different colored golden retriever. It's so it's, it's kind of, kind of interesting. And he's, he's very sweet. Um, well, you got so, the yeah. perfectly, the perfect multicultural dog for New York, I would say. Exactly. <laughs> he fits in great here. You ain't kidding. I'm sure. So tell me, how did the firmest friend come about? So, I mean, I grew up in, um, I grew up in Long Island, and from uh, one of my earliest memories of going to the city was seeing this man with a German Shepherd, and I felt like I, sh- you know, I should give him something. I was probably like five, and I said to my mom, "Can we go get him a cookie?" Okay. And we go inside the store, go get a cookie, and I hand it to the guy, and I'll never forget. He asked me if I had money. And I was like five, and like I didn't, I couldn't fully comprehend what the hell was going on. He didn't want the cookie, <laughs> right? So you know, I saw him with this dog, and I guess from that moment on, I kind of had this sneaking suspicion that he was just kind of doing it for to try to get somebody, you know, as a ruse, having having this dog with him. Um, and I, being a dog lover, that's why I approached him in the first place. Okay, so. You know, seeing um, seeing that reaction, I kind of always felt a little weird when I saw homeless people with dogs, and I and I wanted to know what that was all about, um, because you know it does seem like a pretty good way to make some extra money. But I mean, you can't make <laughs> it's not like you're making you know an extra five thousand dollars a year right. because you have a dog with you. Um, and I also you know wanted to to see if that this you know this kind of unfair um, assumption that a lot of people have that similar to what I had is true. And I wanted to try to debunk it and um, give, you know, the public a little bit of a a better understanding as to why these people do what they do. Um, And I know, you know, homeless and and New York kind of go hand in hand. um, And especially a lot of these, these homeless people, they, they have companions with them typically. And a lot of the time I I find that their dogs in particular, the majority of them are pits. So I wanted to see what the hell was going on. Why all these homeless people also have these for the most part pits. And, uh, yeah, that's an awesome way to go about a project. Um, yeah, was it hard to get the youth to open up to you? Because I feel like sometimes, you know, I feel like when you're older, you could say anything you want. But kids, right, you know. Right. So so the people who, who I interviewed were between the ages of um, 18. And I think I think Shane was around, at the time, he was probably around 30. I was 27 when I 
when I filmed that that movie. Um, okay. Or 28. Uh, and um, I just basically, you know, went up to them and I said, hey, uh, I'll give you some money and, you know, some food if you want to just chat about your pit bull. That's all I want to do. And he was like, they they were all very much open to it. The first three people that I walked up to were the same were people that I, or four people that I walked up to were the same four people that were featured in the film. So in terms of them opening up, they were really quick to uh, to share. I, I mean, I, I was a teacher for three years, so I think knowing what it's like speaking to a lot of disenfranchised kids and getting them to open up, it kind of just came a little bit natural to me. Um, and it just, I, I kind of tried to speak to them the same way that I would speak to kids because I know, you know, these these regardless of what what their situation is they're super sensitive people um and you know it does take a certain type of personality to lead that type of lifestyle whether you mean to or you intentionally are doing so and for the most part you know at least john and shane they were very much a part of like about you know being on the open road type thing um whereas you know Rocco and Melody have had some more deep-seated uh, reasons or, or unfortunate reasons why they were on the street. Okay. Um, but, you know, just basically speaking to them like they were humans first. I didn't just go straight into, so tell me about your pit bull. I just kind of talked to them about who they were and what they were interested in. Um, and then uh, and then I went into questions. So I just wanted them to kind of gain my trust and know that this was not meant to be in any way something exploitative, but more... I gave them the understanding that I want to give people the message that these pits are great and, you know, that you are, um, regardless of your situation, you guys are great ambassadors for that. And I want to be able to understand why, you know, your connection is the way it is. And it's, it's, the problem with a lot of these the homeless people is that, like, <clears throat> I remember when I was, uh, I, I, I went to Yellowstone once for three days and I didn't talk to anyone the entire time. I wasn't with anyone and it was that was one of like the most uh, emotionally draining aspects of the trip, not having any type of communication. And these kids are constantly being ignored or looked down upon, and 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 they'll go days without being spoken to. Forget about them talking to somebody, but really having a conversation. So when they finally get somebody who's interested in hearing what they have to say when for a lot of them their entire lives they felt ignored or neglected or or abused, you know, they want to share their story just as much as a, any normal person. That's awesome. How long did the whole process of making The Firmest Friend take? Like, like from the time that you decided to do it until the mm-hmm. time that you got your subjects until when you were finished editing the movie? Um, <laughs> so on the on the first day that I, I thought about it, it was really probably a week before I actually filmed the actual filming day was, it was six hours long. So that what you see was taken from six hours of footage all in one day. So the editing and process was probably a nightmare for you. I, you know, it was, but it was also a very therapeutic process. I taught myself how to edit by doing it. Um, it took me about 18 months from the actual one day of shooting to all editing and then, um, you know, coloring took about a week. Um, 
and uh, getting music licensing, you know, the whole process took about two weeks. So the wide majority of time was me editing, watching the movie over and over and over again, questioning why I did this and did that and, you know, making it all make sense. Um, so that was basically 18 months from the day I shot to the day that I was ready to put it into festivals. And then from festivals, the festival season lasts from March, I think it was March, 2016. Yeah. March, 2016 to, uh, October, 2017. And, um, once it's in festivals, you, you can get disqualified if, if you put it up online. So that's why I wasn't allowed to release it, um, to anyone or any website or anything like that. And then, uh, as soon as I was in my last festival, I, I put out a plan for about a month and a half to give myself, you know, how am I going to be able to spread this out? And, um, yeah, come December 6th, I guess I, I released it. So that is so yeah. awesome. Did yeah. it, did it feel like a relief that it was finally done or were you like, I can't believe it's over now. I mean, it's, I, I think the, the, the most intense part right now in terms of self-release is, is going on as, you know, as I speak, it's, and it's definitely the most emotionally draining. Um, my initial fear was that, like, you know, I didn't want to... I didn't tell anybody about the film. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my brother. Nobody knew about it except for the the, the cinematographer and the sound, um, and the sound uh, operator. And, wow. You know, even at that point, I, I, I haven't spoken to the sound operator since that day, and, you know, I don't really speak to the cinematographer that often. So... Um, it went pretty much 18 months of not telling anybody anything. Wow. Um, and, you know, having that to myself really gave me kind of, um, it allowed me to invest more of myself into it. But the, the, the scariest part was, you know, what if I don't get into a single festival? What if I apply to, and it costs about $2,500 to apply to all the festivals that I applied to. Wow. And yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with how it ended up doing. Um, but you know, ultimately it was a very like scary process because you're putting yourself out there and you're basically leaving it to people you don't know to judge your work. Um, and the, and the worth of your work. <laughs> and then the, the next scary part is, getting as many people as you can to actually see it. Forget about the money, forget about, you know, the, the awards or anything like that. Um, it's really, really hard to, to be, I'm, I'm, I'm the one person. I, every, every penny that's gone into this film, I, I put it forth myself. So that's the awesome. same goes for, for media inquiries and stuff like that and getting it seen. So I've discovered that it's a, it's a draining process and it's, and it's definitely not something that, um, I'm thoroughly enjoying, but I think I'll look back on it more with, with a lot of satisfaction because at least, you know, I did it and yeah. I'll know a lot better for my next time. Well, that's it. How many people are making movies and, and let alone surprising family and friends with it because you did keep it to yourself. What was like the reaction from like family and friends? Like when you were like, all right, movie's done. Here it is. Were they like, where, where did this come from? <laughs> so, yeah, kind of, um, you know, like I, 
I I've seen more documentaries than anyone I know, so it's not their 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 shock in me having uh, having like be interested in the genre was was it wasn't shocking that if I was going to do something and make a film, it would it would definitely be a documentary. Um, they were I really revealed it to my brother and my parents first, and you know they were very very supportive and you know they had good pointers as to what I can kind of change. And, you know, it wasn't many, a lot of stuff, but it, I think, I think from their perspective, it was probably a lot of like, it was kind of a lot of shock, I guess, because of how much time and money I spent into it. But I think they were more, you know, they knew that regardless of what they did, as long as it was okay, as long as it was like decent, they could be really like supportive. <laughs> um, I think they were just relieved that they, they, they liked it. Um, or at least, you know, could handle watching it a couple of times. Has the cast seen the sh- the, the movie yet? Like, like have you have you shown the subjects like the movie? So um, I haven't been able to get in touch with them. Um, I uh, so I found out John who has a backwards hat. Okay. Um, I I just so happened to have been doing uh, some you know, Googling last year and I found out he was arrested in Maricopa County, uh, in Arizona. Okay. Which is that, you know, the same Joe, Joe Arapio or whatever his name is, you know, the, uh, the, um, like the, the sheriff in Arizona that loves Trump that, and they oh, like, yes. have a love affair with each other, you know? Oh uh, yes. I know who you're yeah. talking about now. Yeah. So unfortunately that's, that's where I, found out he was and my my guess is that you know the uh i think he probably is still in jail and i can't imagine uh i don't know where the where where scout is that really you know it upsets me a lot that's the dog that's on the cover of the of the film he's a Um, cutie too shane i know at one point uh i found a picture of him there is a, a Vine star who uh, I knew he lived in the New York area, and I went on his page, and this is when Vine was still going, and I saw a video of Shane and his dog, Soko, um, in around 2015, and he he looked skinnier, um, and then I saw a picture of Shane, and he had been in a fight, obviously, or he'd been jumped or whatever it was. So, I mean, that's the last image of him that I've unfortunately seen. Strangely enough, with Shane, my my sister-in-law knew him growing up. Like, she, he was, he's the adopted brother of one of her friends, and she said he always was kind of like, you know, a loner, or not, or just kind of like out there, um, and not really uh, about, you know, sticking to the ways of society. so I, I I just don't I don't know what's happened to them and and I've really tried to there's it's really hard when someone doesn't have a paper trail you can't really you know it's surprising even in this day and age you can't find some people um, which so is so surprising now now they uh, they're not aware that you know they're a part of um, a film that's been out now for for a little while. Was there any funny moments with the dogs that, you know, while you were filming? Um, with the dogs in particular, not 
really, they were just so, they all had, what was so great about them is that they all had very different personalities. James Dog, uh, Soko, um, was very, very chill. She like, <clears throat> they all embodied different aspects of pits that people, you know, either know about or don't really know about. So they can be very, um, you know, lapdoggy, and that's kind of what she was like. <laughs> um, Scout was super, he was super um, attentive and very much like just looking for shit. You know, he would <laughs> go after a squirrel if, if, he, if he could. Um, and he, you know, had some separation anxiety, which is pretty common in pits. And then Red, she just was kind of, kind of just like the all-around perfect dog. She just was very, very sweet. Um, <clears throat> she could be a little goofy and rambunctious, but they all just kind of shine through in their own ways, and um, they were just really pretty well-behaved, actually, also. so When you had the film go out to festivals, did yeah. you travel with it as well? So... <clears throat> um, it, it got into festivals, so it got into, it ended up getting into 28, um, but the problem was, you know, a lot of the festivals were, uh, God, Durham, Ontario, Benton, Arkansas, oh. um, Mobile, Alabama, um, places that I would want to go, but part of the problem is if you don't, um, you find out if you get into, you know, the festival around six weeks before. Okay. And for somebody who's just spent, you know, a lot of money on their film, you don't really have that much money left over to travel, especially last minute trips to, to Arkansas are not, are way more expensive than you think. Um, and plus, um, you don't know if you're going to win. Right. And I found out that I was going to win one of the festivals that like, I, I, Looking back, I would have loved to have gone to. It was in Grenada, Mississippi, and they have like kind of like this cool artsy community in you know the heart of Mississippi. It's kind of fascinating, and I didn't know that I I had won a, an award until like two days before because they 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 don't typically tell you, but they didn't know if I was going to be able to make it, so that's why they told me in advance. Oh. Um, and um. I really only got to go to the ones that were in New York City. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I it was uh, Harlem, uh, <laughs> one in Long Island City. And how did and how Manhattan. did how did you how was it as far as like acceptance there? Like, was it what you expected when you? You know, when when you went to the festivals here in the city? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, some of it definitely was, it's a little humbling <clears throat> because, you know, if you have, if, if your film is showing at 11.30 a.m. On a, on a Sunday, you know, one of, one of the festivals that I went, it was Harlem, actually, Harlem International Film Festival, which is a big festival. Um, <clears throat> they were like, six people in the audience and you know it's 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 tough because like you know you want as many people as possible to see your film um 
And sometimes people are more interested in others. When my friends were able to come, you know, obviously that was pretty cool. But, um, you know, you get asked the same questions a lot. I'm if, sure. If you do. What, what was that? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty much all the same questions. But, um, you know, I don't mind answering the, the same things. And then, um, but but for the most part, it's it's rough. You know, it's kind of like being like, in many ways, I feel like it's close to like starting out in the music scene. You know, you go to these concerts and you open up, you know, first band to open for four bands, and there's like nine people there. <laughs> Is doing more like documentaries something that you see doing in the future, or is it you know maybe doing more TV? I would love to do you know more documentaries, or I would love to do a docu series. You know, I I have ideas for for both. Um, I, I I feel like if I were to do another documentary, that could possibly, I could use that to parlay. You know, once you have multiple films under your belt, that's when I feel like they start to take you a little bit more seriously. Um, you know, because your first film also could be a total fluke. I mean, look at Boondock Saints, you know. It wasn't even that great of a movie, but it was... For an independent, though, it was like, wow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and yeah, for what, you know, he's able to. All right. I got one last question for you, sir. Great. No and, problem. And it is, if you can convey one thing that people should know about pit bulls, what would it be? They're dogs. Okay. They're dogs. And, and in that, you know, we have this natural affinity for dogs. Humans and dogs go together like there's no other connection between two different species that's stronger. And at the end of the day, you know, we associate most often um, uh, the, the, the man and, 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 and dog relationship with, you know, a Labrador, you know, and nowadays it seems more like Poodle, um, Goldens, but at the, you know, what, what one of the great things about pits is that since it's not a breed, you never really know exactly what to expect. It's always an amalgamation of things. So it, I mean, the, the reason why I love my dog is I, I say he's the best part of all those breeds. You know, he's beautiful like a, a golden, and he's he's you know he's sweet like a like a uh, like a beagle. You know, they, so there are different aspects to. It's kind of like you're opening a goodie bag of like all sorts of stuff and you don't know exactly what to expect. And yeah, you know, there are some pits that are going to be a little wild and crazy, but when you have so many different types of dogs that are built into one, you get like so many wonderful surprises and, 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 uh, it's just like having the best of all possible worlds when you, when you get a pit just because they, they, they pick up on so many different awesome qualities of, of dogs that kind of make up the, 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 the title of pit. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, something like that. Yeah. I, I could totally see that too. And I mean, you got a dog that basically encompasses all dogs from what it sounds. So yeah, <laughs> that's also awesome. Yeah. He's fantastic. So. Well, Andrew, I think that's it. I think we got all the questions covered and, Really, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. No problem. Anything we can do, you just let us know, sir. Great. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. All right. Okay. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on and talking about The Firmest Friend. Um, if you want to know more about the film, you can visit thefirmestfriendfilm.com. Yes. And we definitely think you should check it out, and you definitely should stop stigmatizing pit bulls, because not every pit bull that you see is a bad pit bull. No. We have one of the best pit bulls. Like our, and again, here I go again, here being go my again. property parent. But seriously, at the end of the day. He loves this dog more than me. Like, let's just call, let's just call it. Like, you love this dog more than you love me. Yeah. You, well. you are very loving toward me. You, in the car today, you turned around, you were like, Kona, I love you. <laughs> and I'm just like, I love Kona too. And I tell her all the time. Because okay. I come from a family where we express our love. We do not. You we do, do not. not. You we do, do not. not. You do not. You do not. Definitely not. Yeah. And I, you're just like, you just out of, you just out of nowhere. You're just like, she like put her head on your shoulder and you're like, Kona, I love you. And I'm just like, I don't remember the last time. Like, I know you love me. Your actions like every well, day. Well, then there's no need that I got to say anything then. You just know. That's all you need to do is know. Still. Please. Anyway, anyway, she is the biggest mush, and my parents are always very... Anti-pitbull. Anti-pitbull, anti... Like, they're... Anti-mean dog is yeah, what it really very, is. They're, but they're very... And yes, they were always just like, pitbulls, oh my God, because they believe they everything that it. they hear. They right. buy into everything that they fucking hear. And... I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I'll leave everything else at that. And I'm sure that your mom is creeping around listening to this show right is, now. And she's, she's going to be like, mm. and then for the next month, she's going to be mean to you. And you're going to be like, oh, she's acting like crazy right now. I don't know why. And it's like, because all this shit you said on the show about her is why she's I acting like say, a lunatic. I said both my parents. I didn't single out my mom. You did. But we know what you meant. No. <laughs> <laughs> my God, you're an asshole. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so anyway, but my parents are very like, when when we said like oh we're getting a pit bull or when I said like I would show her Instagrams of pit bulls and stuff she would be like I don't want to see like oh they're terrible dogs no there's terrible owners blah 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 but I honestly think and I said this to you and I truly believe that they would lock us in my parents basement oh absolutely and take the dog like they would yep. just lock us up there and be like nope she's ours now every no time they're like do you think that like you would you leave her here with us and it's like no but we do every time we go there like in in Every visit up until the last visit when we brought Kona out there for the first time, mm -hmm. we were not allowed to leave the house for any reason whatsoever. Like we'd be like in town for the holidays and our we friends would be friends, out. We couldn't see friends. We'd be like, yet. man, this sucks. We don't have any time. Because we don't be go home that to... often. Right. But the last two times when we went, your mom is like, well, why don't you leave the dog here? And go, go run, get, a get your haircut. Go, a go haircut. run to the store. Do you guys got anything to do today? Because I'll watch the dog if you want. And it's kind of like. I'm reliving having my kids all over again. Where it's like, I no longer mean anything because I'm bringing <laughs> exactly. something cute and cuddly in the door. Exactly. And it's like going, you can go about your business. And then she was disappointed when like Kona was like upset for like a second when we left. And then she came in, like she burst into the bathroom when my mom was, on the, was going to the bathroom, said hello to her. 
and then slept the entire time that we were gone. And my mom's like, she did nothing. I thought we were going to like play. We were going to cuddle up. She didn't do anything. That's not her. That's not her nature. Her nature is just be like, I'm a slug. And that's what I do. She wants to come in. She wants to see where you're at. Oh, you're still here. Okay, good. I'm going to go in the other room Mm -hmm. and take a nap. (laughs) This exhausted me checking up on you. Yeah. If you have to go anywhere, just come in and let me know before you leave so that I know that, okay, now I got to like pay attention to what's happening. Exactly. Otherwise, just leave me to fuck alone. Yeah. That, that's my girl. Yeah, that's why exactly. we get along so well. She's in the other room right now because she's like, I've had enough of these people. <laughs> I was stuck in a screaming car with them. Like, nope. <laughs> There's only one person screaming in that car. The other person was just like, shh, don't talk. Don't talk. Don't talk. You were yelling too. Mm, not as anyway. much. Anyway. So I think really, seriously, I would give you a potsy right now. But I feel like. No, I'm not going to give you a pot. My Christmas gift to you is to end this show right now. <laughs> I think I think that's my – well, actually, just holiday gift in general. Holiday I think gift. everybody holiday. should get a little something. Why don't we give the majority of show to, like, the what? Andrew? Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but I keep saying – for whatever reason, I keep saying the finest friend – and it's not the finest friend. Firmest. The firmest It's the firmest, friend. but I don't yes. know why I keep saying the finest friend. Because that's just you. Well, look at me being a mental patient. So, you know, let's give the bulk of the show to him, to Andrew, to do the firmest friend. Yep. Thank you so much for coming on. And let us get the hell out of here and get ready for New Year's Eve and see what kind of debacle that will bring. <laughs> So in between now and then, if you guys want to check out the High Regard Show, check out our website at highregardshow.com. And you can always send us any kind of email, questions, comments, or WTF was this show supposed to be about (laughs) um, to highregardshow at gmail.com. And you can always follow us on social media at highregardshow. And be sure this holiday season to follow our beloved Kona at the Kona persona because she is the gift that keeps on giving and our most recent video (laughs) is one of her acting like a little baby brindle cow and you don't want to miss it because her stomach was hurting so she wanted a little bit of grass to fill it but she was eating like a little cow and I filmed it like a little grazer because she was in a big field in Pennsylvania and she was just like yes so that's our gift to you Ta-da. Happy, happy, happy 2018, everyone. We made it through 2017, barely. Fumes on fumes, I think we made it. So here's to 2018. May we all make it through. Jingle your bells into the new year, people. See you next year. Bye. Dogs.